want you to go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 1 through verse 13 and talk about the temptation of Jesus. The temptation of Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 13. I want us to read it. It'll be on your notes. All of the scriptures should appear in your outlines tonight, so everything's not going to show up on the screen, so it'll be on your notes, but the points will be on the screen so that you can fill in the blanks. So Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Let's look at the scripture together. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. As long as we live in this world, you're going to encounter temptation. Times of temptation, times of testing are inevitable. And when temptation comes, when times of testing come, we need to know how to respond. Some people like playwright Oscar Wilde don't even try to fight it. In fact, he said this, and I quote, I can resist anything except temptation. In other words, some people respond to temptation by simply giving into it. They go with the flow. When it comes, they just give into it. They fall into it, and they go along with it. Others want to be delivered from temptation, so they fight against it or they flee from it, and that is a biblical way to handle temptation. The Bible instructs us, flee from sexual immorality. Flee idolatry. That is a biblical way to handle temptation. If we're going to be godly people, if we're going to be the men and women that God wants us to be, we've got to resist the temptations that come at us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Hear me and hear me well. We can't play with temptation. We can't entertain sin, and we can't think that it's not going to harm us. The writer of Proverbs, which is Solomon, he's the one who wrote the majority of them. He said this in Proverbs 6, verse 27, 28. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? 
Now in context, he's talking about sexual sin. He's talking about dealing with a prostitute. But the message that Solomon is trying to convey is simply this. If you play with sin, you're going to get burned. Amen? In other words, you can't flirt with temptation. You can't play around with sin and come away untouched and unscathed. Hear me, sin has consequences. Sin will cost you something. In fact, it's been said, sin, said that sin will take you further than you intended to go and it will keep you there longer than you intended to stay. James chapter 1 verse 13 through 15 gives us the process of temptation. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. James is saying there that God is too holy to be tempted and He's too loving and gracious to tempt anybody. Temptation does not come from God. But verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. We are tempted because there's something that we desire. There is something that draws us away. Verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Sin has consequences. And so tonight as we look at Luke chapter 4, we're going to see Jesus and how He handled temptation. We understand that Jesus is our great example and how He handled temptation is the same way that you and I need to handle temptation. Hebrews 4 and, 4 and 15 tells us that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. If you've ever thought nobody understands what I'm going through, nobody knows what I'm facing, Jesus knows what you're facing. He was tempted like as we are, but he is without sin. And we can learn from him how to resist the devil. We can learn from him how to overcome temptation and how to overcome sin. There are several lessons I want us to understand tonight about temptation and how to overcome sin. Number one, being filled with the Spirit doesn't insulate you from temptation. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't insulate you from temptation. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. Notice Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Ghost is what the King James says. Just because you've been filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with temptation. Jesus was filled. Jesus was full. He was overflowing. There was no room for anything else. In fact, the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he would be tempted and tested. You say, we want the Spirit to lead us beside the still waters. We want the Spirit to lead us into green pastures. But sometimes the Spirit of God will lead us into times of testing and times of trying. Hear me, the Holy Spirit isn't some magic genie that takes away our ability to experience temptation. You can be filled with the Spirit talking tongues every day, but temptation and testing is still going to come your way. Hear me, you can't get so spiritual that you'll never face temptation again. You can't be so sanctified and so holy and so full that you'll never have to deal 
temptation again. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hear me, the lust of the flesh is still going to be there. But if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't give in to the flesh. You see, you have to understand there's going to be two ways to live now that you're a child of God. You can walk according to the flesh or you can walk according to the Spirit. And depending on which one you give in to is going to determine how you live. You're going to walk in victory or you're going to walk in defeat depending on which one you feed. If you walk according to the flesh, you'll be defeated. But if you'll walk in the Spirit, you can have victory. And you can be more than a conqueror. And you can overcome. Amen? You see, one of the keys to effectively overcoming the flesh and living a victorious life is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about something that happened a week ago or a year ago or 20 years ago. I'm talking about something that is fresh, something that is vibrant, something that is real in your life tonight, something that is real in your life today. Paul said you need to be ye being filled with the Spirit. Can I tell you, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost today. God, the Spirit works in my life right now. And let me ask you, are you filled with the Spirit even now? That's the key. When we wake up in the morning, we need to say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. I need something to get me through life today. Yesterday's outpouring is not enough. Yesterday's filling isn't enough. I need something to get me through today. If Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me just explain this to you. Jesus, yes, He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. But when He walked on this earth, He was a fleshly man, flesh and blood, just like you and I was. And everything He did, He did in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. He needed the anointing of God. And if we're going to overcome sin, overcome temptation, if we're going to work miracles and do great things for God, we need the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. But just because we're anointed, just because we're empowered, doesn't mean we're going to be immune from temptation. Amen? But here's the second thing I want us to see tonight. Satan plans his attack at the opportune time. Satan plans his attack at the opportune time. We should be prepared to be, attempt, to be tempted, especially after a victory. Jesus was tempted immediately following his baptism when the Father affirmed him from heaven and the Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. Back up to Luke chapter 3 verse 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Think about that. After this great experience, Jesus is baptized. He goes under the water. When He comes up out the water, the heavens open, and the Spirit comes down like a dove and lands on Him, and a voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately after that great experience, this great mountaintop experience, Satan comes. And begins to test him. 
Can I tell you, Satan knows when to show up in your life. That when you've just had a great battle and you've got victory, if you aren't careful, you'll begin to let down your guard thinking, look at what I've accomplished. And Satan can show up if you aren't careful because you can get puffed up with pride thinking, hey, I'm on the mountaintop and nothing can touch me here. And Satan can show up. But don't you... I want you to also notice something else there in chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says that Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And He's hungry. And what's the first thing that Satan does when he comes along? If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Not only does Satan come after a great victory, he'll also come in a moment of weakness. That's how Satan works. If he can't get you when you're up on the mountain, if he can't get you when you're on a spiritual high, he'll get you when you're down. He'll bide his time until you're vulnerable. And then he'll come in with subtle suggestions of evil. When you're weak and vulnerable, hear me, you need to pay attention. It might be when you haven't eaten and you're hungry. It could be after a long hard day of work and you come in exhausted and tired. It might be after you've had a, a mostly draining argument with your spouse, Satan comes along and is looking for an opening. He plans his attack. It might be because you feel you're being deprived from something you expected. He's looking for an opening. Hear me and hear me well. When you are weak, you've got to be on your toes and be prepared to face the potential for temptation. Because He plans His attack. You think about somebody in the boxing ring or looking for an opening. So they can throw a jab, throw a hook, just looking for somebody to let down their guard. And that's what the enemy does. He's looking for you to let down your guard so he can land a punch. So he can land a blow. You've got to stay on guard, church. Because he's looking for when you're weak. He's looking for when you're vulnerable. Oh, he's not going to come when you're praying every day and fasting and trying to stay in the Word of God. But as soon as you begin to let things slip, as soon as you begin to turn to some old habits you used to have and let down your guard and become vulnerable, He's going to slip in. He's going to attack. Got to stay on guard. But here's a third lesson we learn from this text. God's Word is our weapon against Satan. God's Word is our weapon against Satan. Each time Satan attacked, Jesus answered with Scripture. Satan would attack and Jesus would say, It is written. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. Now let me just point something out. God the Father had just said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And now Satan comes along, If you are the Son of God. He tries to attack his identity. Can I tell you, isn't that what Satan tries to do to you and me? You really think you're a child of God? 
Listen, you've got to know who you are in Christ because if you ever doubt who you are in Christ, Satan can come in and deceive you and rob you of what is rightfully yours in Christ. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live my bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus here, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. In fact, every time he quotes scripture, Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. But what we learn here is that Jesus is depending on God's Word to overcome temptation. Jesus is using the Word of God and the authority of the Word to deal with Satan and to deal with temptation. He used the Word to fight against the enemy. The Word was His ammunition and His tool to fight against Satan. Paul said in Ephesians 6.17, he called the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. In the Marine, they have what is known as the Rifleman's Creed. And I want you to watch this short video. part of being a Marine. Did you notice what they said at the beginning of it? They said, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Well, this is my Bible. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Now, I brought two Bibles tonight. This is a newer one that I just got and I'm just starting to use it, but this is one that I've had for years and years. It has my name on it. If you were to look at it, you can see that the spine is starting to crack. If you were to open it, you'll see that it's starting to separate. If you were to go through here, you'll find out that there are highlights and places that I've written. If you were to go to a place like Psalm chapter 1, you'll see that there's notes up and down here. There are a lot of other Bibles out there, but this is my Bible. Preached many of sermons from this Bible. I've heard God say a lot of things to me from this Bible. 
Flip the pages and you'll see highlights and notes where in devotion God has said things to Everybody needs a Bible that they can highlight and mark up because it is this book that's our weapon against Satan. But if you don't know what it says, you can't use it. Amen? And you might say, well, preacher, I, I, I don't feel good about marking in a Bible. Well, you need to find you a Bible you can mark up. Find you one specifically for the task of highlighting and marking up. In fact, I wrote a note in this one today about this text. I wrote in here today, when Satan speaks, respond with the Word. And you might say, why this is important. Well, here's the thing. When I leave this world, if Jesus don't come back soon, my kids can take this right here and they can see what their daddy has written and what God has said. But have highlights and underlines. Not everything. And I've switched Bibles throughout the years, but there are some Bibles that I keep coming back to. You'll notice that this here just kind of opens up nice and it just falls open. I just have pages that I've highlights and just some notes and corners of it. You've heard me use this quote before. If you find a Bible that's falling apart, usually it belongs to somebody whose life isn't falling apart. This book is powerful. I preached on that last week or the week before here on a Wednesday night talking about God's powerful Word. It can change our lives. It can transform us. But I promise you this, it can put the devil on the run if you'll know what it says. But here's the thing about that. He also knows what it says. Because here in the text, he quoted it. He didn't quote it perfectly. I believe it's Psalm 91 verse 11 and 12. He quoted back to Jesus. But he didn't quote it in its entirety. He left part of it out. But he knows the Bible. That's why you have to know it better than he does. Because it is a powerful weapon that can be used against him, but you have to know the truth of God's Word. You see, God's Word is our rifle. It's our weapon against the enemy. We've got to master it. We've got to know it if we're going to have victory in our lives. And if we're going to use Scripture like Jesus did, we've got to commit it to memory. We've got to meditate on it. We've got to memorize it. Because here's the thing. I know we have smartphones today. We have Bible apps. But here's the thing. If you can't get to your phone and you don't have a Bible on hand, you have to have it stored up in your heart. So that when the enemy comes against you, you can say, it is written. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. Isn't that what He said? If you'll put it in there, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your remembrance. You see, one of the ways the enemy works against us is through lies. 
John 8.44 lets us know that when He speaks a lie, He speaks from His own resources. For He is a liar and the father of it. Satan can't tell the truth. All he speaks is a lie. In fact, from the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, it's been nothing but lies. Because the first thing out of his mouth when he approached Eve was, did God really say? He began to distort God's Word, deny God's Word. And he's been doing the same thing every, ever since then. But if you'll know God's Word, you can use it as a weapon against the enemy. But here's the fourth and final lesson I want to give to you tonight. You've got to be ready for further attacks. Look at verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The King James says he departed for a season. Jesus got victory over Satan that day, but he didn't get final victory. According to the text, Satan only departed for a season. You see, you might get victory today, but guess what? That old boy's coming back again another day. He's going to live to fight again, and he's coming back. Here's one thing about the enemy. He doesn't give up. He's persistent. And I've said this before to the church. Just imagine if we as the people of God and we as the church were as persistent as the enemy. What we could accomplish. We give up too soon. We give up too soon. But he keeps going. If one tactic doesn't work, he tries another tactic. If one of his weapons doesn't work, He'll try another weapon. You see, if he can't discourage you, he'll try to distract you. Think about it. He tries another way. He doesn't give up. He is persistent. He returns the fight another day. He'll wait till you're weak. He'll wait till you're vulnerable. He'll look for another opening and he'll come back to fight another day. He'll look for when you let down your guard. And he'll pounce. Look at Ephesians 4.27 from the Amplified Bible. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. You can't give him any room in your life because I promise you, he'll take it. If you give him one little opening, he's going to take it. He's going to pounce. He's going to jump on it. And he'll do as much damage as he can. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober. Be vigilant. Be alert. Be prepared. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice that. He's going around like a roaring lion, looking for somebody to devour. And can I tell you, if you've ever watched any of those Animal Planet shows about lions, they're looking, usually looking for the one who's off by themselves somewhere. Usually looking for the weakest. And the smallest. Let me just say this to you. That that's why it's important to be in the house of God. That's why it's important to be connected to the body of Christ. I want to say something very important to us tonight. We've got to deal with sin in our lives because if we don't, we give Him, give him an opening. 
We've got to deal with unforgiveness because if we don't, we give Him an opening. We've got to deal with bitterness and malice and anger because if we don't, we give Him an opening. Husbands and wives, we've got to deal with issues in our marriages because if we don't, we give Him an opening. Parents and children, we've got to deal with the relationships between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters because if we don't, we give Him an opening. If we harbor bad feelings towards people, we give the devil an opening. We give him place to move in our lives. Any times we begin to open up our mouth and speak negative things about people, we give the devil an opening. Someone once said, temptations unlike opportunities will always give you many second chances. Temptations, unlike opportunities, will always give you many second chances. You see, as long as we're in these bodies, we're going to have to deal with the flesh, the world, and the devil. But we can be prepared. You can be ready. The Bible tells us to flee from certain sins. I've done mention it earlier, but flee sexual immorality. Flee from idolatry. Sometimes the best thing you can do is do like Joseph and run. Get away from it. Don't hang around. If you know being around certain people is going to cause you to be tempted and possibly give in to it, get away from certain people. Listen, the devil doesn't know all things, but he studied you well enough to know what your weakness is. And he knows how to come along and tempt you. Now let me just say this. Everybody's not tempted by the same thing. Listen, drugs or alcohol ain't going to be a problem for me. It might be for you, but it's not going to be for me. For some of you, being attracted to the opposite sex as far as lust or something, that you, you might not struggle with, with something of that. But for some of us, it may be. Uh, a good-looking woman, a good-looking man, you, you, you might struggle with that. But for somebody else, you, you might look once and keep on it not bother you. But for some, you may struggle. And the devil knows exactly how to get you. For some it could be greed. It could be power, popularity, possessions. He knows what the dangle in front of you to get you. He studied you well enough to know how to get you. And that's why you have to be on guard. And you have to be prepared and ready for further attacks. Because here's the thing. In a, in a moment of weakness... He'll put it there. When you hadn't seen your buddies in years and all of a sudden you and your wife get in an argument and you leave the house just to go uh, just to go for a ride somewhere and you stop it at the gas station. You're just going to go in and get a soda pack of crackers and you see one of them buddies you used to haul around with and drink all the time. All of a sudden they invite you over. Hey, won't you just come to the house, Kirk? Let's do like we used to do. And you ain't seen them in years. But God brought you out of that mess, but all of a sudden you run into them. That's Satan. He knows exactly what to do. You've got to be ready. Because when they show up, you need to turn around and say, Nope, i got to go. Or you get in an argument with your spouse and you go along somewhere and somebody, some nice looking lady comes cozying up to you and say, Hey, won't you just... Come hang out. You got to just know. I got to go. You got to be prepared. 
Listen, you can't wait until you're in the midst of the battle to decide what you're going to do. Let me say that again. You can't wait until you're in the midst of it to decide what you're going to do. You've got to know before you ever get there. Joseph already had decided what he, he wasn't going to sin against God. He already knew what he was going to do. He already made up his mind, I'm not going to sin against Master. I'm not going to sin against God. And apparently Potiphar, she was a good looking woman, but he made up his mind, I'm not going to sin against God. And so he got out of there, he left his coat behind. He booked it. And he was falsely accused, but because he had integrity, the favor of God stayed on his life. And he became promoted to the second highest man in Egypt. Let me just say something. If you hold on to your integrity, God can give you favor and promote you and elevate you. But you've got to be ready because it's coming. It's inevitable. It's coming. But you've got to be prepared. I want to say as I get ready to close tonight, we don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be overcome. If we can stay alert and be prepared, we can walk in victory. I'm tired of seeing too many Christians taking steps forward and taking steps backwards. I've seen it too many times. I've seen too many Christians, it seems like they have to go to the altar every week and pray for the same things over and over and over and over again. And I know that sometimes people may struggle with certain habits and struggle with certain addictions, but here's what I know. The power of God is greater than any habit and it's greater than any addiction. But here's the thing. You've got to be willing to take steps to get out of it. And if you're willing to get out of it, God will help you get out of it. Amen. I'm not trying to be mean if you're struggling with something. But if you want out, He'll help you get out. Amen. He'll help you get out. Because there's one greater who lives inside of us. Greater is He that's in me than He that lives in the world. He's greater than pornography. Amen. He's greater than lust. He's greater than addiction to any kind of a drug. He's greater. He's greater than homosexuality. He's greater. He'll help you get free. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fall. We can live in victory. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, what you're going through, you're not the only one that's going through it. Because sometimes you think, I'm the only one that has to deal with this. No, you're not. But God is faithful. Thank God. He's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear. Listen, God is faithful and He will make a way out. But guess what? You've got to look for the way out. <laughs> you've got to look for the door. He's made a door, but you've got to look for it. Some, you know the reason why some people don't want to get out? Because they're not looking for the way out. They like it too much. They like it too much. Why? Because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin. But you know what it says? It says it's for a season. In closing, Jesus' victory over Satan shows that we too can have victory over Satan. You see, he, this is before he ever went to the cross, but now that he's gone to the cross, we can certainly have victory over Satan. 
In fact, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. He, he's defeated. Satan is defeated. And we can overcome. Amen? And so if we trust in Jesus as Savior and walk in His strength daily, we can walk in victory and overcome when temptation comes our way. We can be victorious. And we can rule and reign in this life. We can have authority over the enemy. And we can do great things for God. Amen.